All right, so we are still talking about sexual intimacy. So you have to take your uh, uh, you got to really push your reluctance to, to speak and participate here. <laughs> so uh, it's good. It, it's a lot better if it's for 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 me and us. If we're not if not monologuing the whole time, but um, we're kind of been talking about just principles general principles that we see in scripture. And a few of them that we hit at the beginning so far, just as a quick review, is um, when you talk about the purpose of sex, we talked about how sex was, number one, it was unifying. It brings a couple together. We talked about how sex is pleasurable. God created it as a gift to both husband and wife. We talked about how sex is procreative, right? Produces children. And we kind of ended last time talking about how sex is protective. And those are kind of our main things in what is sex, what is the purpose of sex. And so um, where we're at today is we are going to talk about principles. Um, We had talked about a little bit of and I think this was a um, key thing was that we talked about uh, sex is, it gives, one of the principles is that the gospel has to govern sex. And so when you think about two married people coming together, both of those people are sinners. Both of those people are going to imperfectly love one another. And they're going to have a constant need for forgiveness, for repentance. And that applies to all the areas of your life. And that includes your sexual relationship and so when we think about um, how can we deal with some conflict or communication or the sexual relationship first we want to make sure that over everything the gospel is dominant and leading and so down at the bottom of page six we're talking about now obeying your conscience and so last time we read a little bit from romans 14. Well, let's go to romans 14 again and we'll read a little bit of that you guys remember what's the context in Romans 14 he's not talking about sex within marriage what is he talking about here eating unclean food yeah eating unclean food whether it's right is it unclean or not so we have people who are And we had these two parties, right? Some who would eat and some who would abstain. And he's giving them direction as to both of them are believers and they're relating to one another within the church. So have somebody, Andy, can you get Romans um, 14? And how about one through four? As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? If it is before his own master, then he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Yeah. 
And so the, the difference between these two, between the one who eats and the one who abstains, is kind of this idea of what what does their conscience tell them they ought, ought to be doing. And he gives some commands to the one who eats and the one who abstains. So what does he what does he command to the one who's eating of the food that believes I can eat all foods, everything's clean? Yeah, don't despise. Yeah, don't despise the one who abstains. Right, don't despise. Right? Why? Why would a person maybe despise the one who abstains? Why might that be a temptation? Yeah. Uh, for believing something that you know is not doesn't have any effect. Yeah, despise or look down upon. Legalism. Yeah, they can think well, they're being such a legalist over here, right? And uh, so then, what's the what's the command he gives towards the one who's abstaining? Don't pass judgment. Okay. Right. Why would why are they <coughs> tempted, or why why can we be tempted to pass judgment? They're a bunch of liberals. Yeah, yeah that's right. They're <laughs> <laughs> holier than thou kind of attitude. They're abusing God's grace. They're being, you know, yeah. just indulging in sin that grace may abound. Okay, so there's right. It can easily become very contentious, right? And. <laughs> so let's get down to the context of the verse uh, here. Right? So let's start in 20 and read down to 23. Okay. Jack, can you, you got that? I do not. Okay. Let's go. Gabe? Do um, not. Romans? Yeah. 20 to, 14, 20 to 23. Wait, 14. 20. Chapter 14, 20 to 23. All right. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good to cause your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he I'm sorry, for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Right, so here, right, the main, the main command is, is he, is he really addressing the one who's, like, giving them a command to do this? The one who's eating, the one who's abstaining, who's he really focusing on? And how come? Um, the one who's eating. You know, when you, so he's saying, don't cause your brother to stumble. Like, you can you can have your liberty as long as it doesn't um, cause him to stumble. 
Yeah, and you see that in verse 21. It's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. <clears throat> Is there anything where he addresses the one who's abstaining here at all? And don't destroy the work of God. Yeah. yeah, and he says everything is indeed clean. So he does clearly say, look, it's not. And then there's a key, key point there when it goes down to verse 23, right? But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So you have this one who's abstaining because their conscience convicts them that it is sin for them. And he says, well, everything is clean. But if the person's conscience is convicting them that they shouldn't, and they do eat, what does Paul say that is going on there? Is it sin or not sin? Because why? Because it goes against his conscience. Right. Not because of the food is unclean, but because they're going against their conscience. Does that make sense? And so... I guess one thing, as we kind of apply this, I'm going to try to make my Venn diagram here, okay? Nice. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> you might have been surprised if I said, oh, we're going to, I'm going to be drawing diagrams today. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. So here, let's say this one is like God's law, where everything outside of this circle would be sin. Okay, so adultery, pornography, you know, Im any immoral sexual relationships would be outside of here. And then this might be, say, husband's conscience. And then here you've got the wife's conscience, right? So we know that all of this is sin out here, right? That makes sense, mm -hmm. right? And then you've got like these four things in here, okay? So, right, wh what are we commanded to go for? Like, which is the part of that that's we should be aiming and desiring to look for? This piece, this piece, this piece. One, two, three, four. I'm just numbering the intersection here. between God's law, the husband's conscience, and the wife's conscience. In here. Option C. Option three. C. <laughs> yeah. And one. And one, right? And so there's a sense in which we would like these circles to work towards merging closer and closer together to where eventually, you know, we're maybe something like this, right? To where Paul's teaching them with the, with the food that, hey, the food is clean. It's clean to eat. There's nothing wrong with eating the food. But you don't want to lead a person to go against and uh, disobey their conscience, right, when they feel guilty and convicted about that. And so, again, if, if they do engage here in two and four, right, what's going on is like in this case, right, it's okay in the husband's conscience and not in the wife's, the husband is leading the wife to sin because she's disobeying her conscience. And the same thing's true here where the wife is leading her husband to sin because he's going against his conscience. 
that makes sense, right? Here, right, they're both sinning not because God has prohibited that particular timing or circumstances or whatever it is, but because they're going against their conscience. Does that all make sense? And so it's helpful to allow your, uh, your conscience to, to work towards this, to be defined by you know, what's scripture, what is in scripture, what is prohibited, and then what is permitted, and what's, on, what's allowed in that sense. So I guess what's, what would be some practical things if you think you might be near one of these regions? What are some things to do if you feel like that question at the bottom? What should you do if your spouse is uncomfortable with any certain thing? Yes. Um, so I'm just thinking through like one versus three. Um, is there ever a time you can't trust your conscience or your spouse's conscience? So like three is perfect because it, it, you know, you're obeying your conscience on both sides. But is there ever a time where that conscience is incorrect? Yeah. Therefore, right here, right? All of these are where our conscience is overly, okay. right? And it's wrong out here as well. So this, in section 5, right, both husband and wife are good with it, but it's sin. So this might be um, sometimes, you know, they're going to watch porn together, right, to spice it up or whatever. So they both agree to it, but it's not permissible, it's sin. And the same thing might be true over here where maybe there's something that's uh, acceptable, but they don't really know that. And so maybe um, they need to be either through counsel or through studying the scriptures, through praying, through talking together, this region three needs to kind of expand into that area one. Yeah, like maybe birth control would be an issue that, you know, they grew up Catholic. And, and they felt like you have to, in order to say sex has to be, yeah. <coughs> pregnancy must be an option. Yeah. Does that help? How does that work as like the husband of the leader? So like, right, her conscience may say, like, no, I'm a vegetarian. And he's like, actually, Scripture says that you can eat meat, mm-hmm. like, for the sake mm-hmm. of this Scripture. And then he said, so, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So she, he's leading, which mm-hmm. is biblical, but it's against her conscience, mm-hmm. which this is saying is sin. So how does that work? And the numbers. We don't have to go strictly the the numbers. (laughs) I think you bring up a good point, right? But I think when you think about how does this, how does this change to become more like this? Because this might be a really small region, right? Or it might be a really large region. And so I think the husband leading the wife can be one of the means by which through studying scripture, through getting counsel, either joint marriage counseling or husbands from an older man, you know, wives from an older woman, where God is kind of bringing those things into alignment. And so the husband might say, you know, give some guidance, give some leadership. But I think the, the goal would be that she and the, and the husband would, would agree that until she feels that she's not disobeying her conscience, that they maybe are patient and learning yeah. and growing. So we're like with the eating the meat, like there's a teaching that's going on from these people who used to see that as a very clear sin to grow to where they can. Yeah, and I think 
When you look at this, Paul could have just told the people with a weak conscience, shut up and deal with it. Yeah. Need me. Yeah. And he could have ex exerted his apostolic authority. But I think he was wise enough to know that a hardened conscience is more dangerous than an overactive conscience. Mm -hmm. So on the balance, I think he makes a strategic decision. It's better to have a, a more active conscience because it'll prevent you from, you know, it's a defense mm -hmm. mechanism. It'll yeah. prevent you from sin and and then some. Right. But he tries to regulate it with the and then some might, you know, cause disunity and disharmony. But on the balance, that's better than a hard right. conscience. Right. It's better, it's, it's like you think about those two areas where their conscience is off, you know, here versus here, right? Like you're saying, it's better to kind of push this way than try and deal with having a huge area out here. Yeah. And uh, just kind of, because if we push too far this way, we end up with everything on the other side and yeah. you're back to, oh, everything's. Yeah. And that's assuming it's a legitimate conscience issue. It's not something that the wife is all of a sudden, this is against my conscience. <laughs> if I really don't want to do something, that must be against my conscience. Um, ah, yes. I think with when something's against your conscience, I don't want to do it because I really believe I will be sinning against God. Yeah. Like yeah. there's there's a rationale to it instead of I'll be sinning against myself or I'll do something against my will. Yes. I mean, that's not that's yes. not a conscience issue, that's an obedience issue. It's like the the, that I think that comes up in in the bigger picture in terms of when you use the conscious conscientious objector to war or vaccines or whatever it can be abused in that sense. So, like, yeah, like, like I think birth control would be a good example of well it says be fruitful and multiply so they have like this understanding of scriptures like even the weaker conscience Christians mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. are saying well in the Bible it says I can't eat shellfish and you're eating shellfish what's going on? You know I'm saying so mm -hmm. there's a there's a legacy of Christian teaching. That leads them to believe that yeah. that it's wrong. It's yeah. not, um, yeah, it's not derived from some other thing. And I think there's been a lot of confusion about that recently too. Yeah. What is the conscience issue and what isn't? And so, like allowing, uh, it really ties into how your your the one of the key benefits of having good scriptural study and teaching and preaching is that it shapes and forms your conscience. I know that there's been several things over the last 10 years where my conscience has changed in regard to you know, certain areas because the scriptures have, and people have explained, oh, oh okay, you know, like I, that's, mm -hmm. understanding the principle and the truths guide what you feel and you have conviction over. Okay. Um, Question three, I think we talked about this, sorry, but if both parties are fine with a certain activity, does that automatically make it okay? No. No. Okay. That would be category five sometimes. Yes. Yeah, that would be ca category five. And again, the, the, the greater the lack of scripture study, right, mentoring, <laughs> counseling there is, the more potential there might be for something like that happening where you get some bad advice or you get some worldly idea all of a sudden you're you're sinning together that's where again the husband and wife both really public responsibility but the husband's a leader so again men, you know you want to make sure you're leading wisely 
Any further questions about that, about conscience and how that fits in? We'll talk about it maybe a little bit more when we get to kind of threats here at the end. I enjoyed the Venn diagram. Oh, thank you. Okay, worked hard. Okay, yeah, good. Your best end diagram. Hey, one of my best. <laughs> I'll need to work on this one down here. <laughs> yeah, it's like an eclipse is coming. In. Just getting there. Okay. All right. So another principle, key one. We talked about it briefly, but look, we're going to focus on it here. So I have three uh, scripture passages, and it's seeking to serve. So we got Acts twenty thirty five, Philippians two three through four. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, 3 through 8. So I can have some, some volunteers here. Who wants to get Acts 20? Okay. Brian can. And Philippians 2? Daniel. And then 1 Corinthians? Marlon. All right. Go ahead, Acts 20. In everything, I show you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. That he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay. And then the Philippians passage. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. <clears throat> Let each of you look not, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Perfect. All right, Marlon. What was 13, 3 through 8. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 through 8. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor... And if I deliver my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, and it is not jealous. Love does not brag, and it is not arrogant. Oh, keep going through eight. Eight. Through eight, okay. Does not, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Okay. So what's that common thing that we're seeing here? Not all three passages. Yeah, it gives, right? And so it's very contrasting with the world where basically, oh, right, the husband, he's looking to fulfill the husband. And the wife, right, the wife, right? They're each looking to each other to fulfill their own needs, right? Whereas here, when we think about each one of these passages, the husband is seeking to fulfill the needs of the wife, Life is looking to fulfill and serve the needs of the husband. Very different in terms of your mentality, how you approach the relationship. And why do you think that's so important, especially in your marriage in general? I guess ask an obvious question. Are, are these oftentimes exactly the same <coughs> desires, needs, husbands and the wives? Probably not, right? You're two different people. How does that? I think sometimes 
in a marriage is um, since I'm the leader, she will do this for me. Or if he loved me, like Christ loved the church, she would do this for me. And so the marriage becomes about two people trying to make one person happy. Like, I exist to make myself happy, and my wife needs to make me happy. And there's kind of a, you know, the orbit and the center of the marriage is really you when that's your mm-hmm. attitude. Or if you are really successful at that, then the orbit of the marriage for the other person is around you as, as well, mm-hmm. right? So there's definitely, um, if you have a marriage that doesn't have that, each serving each other, then God's not the Lord of that marriage. Yeah, and I mean, in this in this scenario, there is no Christ. There is no God within that marriage. And so, you know, here, you know, you can think about how you're serving Christ yeah. and honoring Christ, where it's not the husband or the wife that's really at the center of the marriage as a, as a whole, or even the sexual union. How can we learn? How can, how can you learn to do this if you're not used to this? I mean, it doesn't come naturally to us. Watch Dr. Phil? Probably not. Sometimes when people get into the standoff, I'll start serving her when she starts serving me. Or when he starts loving me, I'll start loving him. And... Um, I think that's, I think being willing to take the first step, and I think even being willing to be taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and really surrender a lot of your honor and a lot of that stuff. I mean, I think a lot of times people kind of build up these walls between doing that. If I do this, then all these bad things will happen to me. Yeah. And uh, it really is, I think, just a step of faith to take that first step yeah. and to really have satisfaction honoring Christ in it. I think we talked about, it was a totally, it's been several weeks, but... We talked about, maybe in a different setting, how, you know, Christ's example is to take the initiative mm-hmm. and how oftentimes, you know, that initiative, that Christ seeking after and showing love then is something that we are called to and we respond. But then there's other times as well that people didn't, um, they weren't saved. They saw his ministry. They saw his miracles. They saw his works. And so, you know, ideally, you take the initiative in your marriage and you're serving and serving and your spouse responds, but that may happen soon, they may happen later, it may take a long, long time, right? But that's, it's not based upon how they respond as to our role and our faithfulness. I've seen some beautiful, go ahead. I've seen some beautiful examples of, let's say, a woman who's truly married to a deadbeat husband who had a love for her children will keep the marriage together mm-hmm. and put up with a lot of that stuff, you know, because of this greater love for their kids and knowing that a divorce would be catastrophic for the family and for the kids' childhood. And I think that noble impulse needs to also be, you know, uh, kind of promoted to have, like, you know, for the sake of Christ and his witness and for all these things, I, I'll be willing to put up with a lot for the sake of this greater good. Yeah, you know, and so I think if it's um, you know if you kind of have that higher purpose, mm-hmm. you know that is something that can really you know help manifest yeah. that. Okay, you're probably gonna say something about that. No, I mean the question was how do you like shift yeah. to that mindset? Right. And I think one thing to be very aware of is just the world tells us it's you're in this for yourself. 
in the bedroom, it is all about you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like it, if it's not doing it for you, if there's not this magical spark from without, um, then you don't do it. And to be asked to do it is abusive. Right, that's the world's. Yeah, yes. And so that, I mean, I think um, we just have to be very aware that all of us live in that world, mm -hmm. right? All of us have marinated in it to some degree, greater and lesser degrees, particularly depending on how much media you consume, mm -hmm. most likely. Um, or how, how many unbelieving friends you spend a lot of time with. Mm -hmm. um, and that that is also what our flesh tells us. Right. It's inside and outside. Yes. Our, the fish is in the water. Yeah. Surrounded by it. The message reinforces what we already want to hear, which is that this part of life particularly is about, about me. Yeah. And that's where there just needs to be like a very intentional turning around mm -hmm. of our ex, especially for a woman who doesn't always have the same experience that a man has. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be, I'm going to take joy in this other aspect of mm -hmm. it, which is giving, which mm -hmm. is loving, which is honoring Christ, which is, um, and truly have joy in that. Yeah. Um, and not a martyr's joy. <laughs> right. And not a, um, not a manipulative, mm -hmm. right? So that. If, so that. Mm -hmm. So. But I mean, the thing is, if you are committed to serving someone else, you can't be taken advantage of, right? Because you're offering and giving. You're not. Right. And, and regardless of what happens for you and your experience, your faithfulness is determined by your attitude and your actions towards your spouse. Okay, so, I mean, are there specific examples maybe looking at things you can turn away from? Like, what are some ways in which... We could be tempted to be selfish, the husband or the wife. Or... So, like, I'm just trying to think of things. We've talked about kind of so, like, things like you've got frequency, mm -hmm. right? How often? So that's again, that's something where each one can have their own particular desires, needs, whatever you want to call them. And so we can be selfish, demanding our own frequency more often and less often. What was the, there was a Sunday where you had like three words. I think frequency and there's something else. I, I can't remember what they were. Function maybe. I don't know. Anyway. It was probably really good. It was probably amazing. <laughs> I'll go back to the recording. Anyway. But that's, that's one of the areas. Um, you know, setting, the time of day, is it late at night, mm -hmm. right? Certain things where you may have a preference for or against, where you can make it about you or you can make it about your, your spouse. Are there any other kind of ways in which we can be selfish or we can think of our other... Duration. Physical limitations. Mm -hmm. As men get older, things change. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, after a baby, or I mean, there's just all kinds of. Yeah. There could be some physical complexities, mm -hmm. or, or even you know, wife struggles with migraines, or the husband. Mm -hmm. You know, what I'm saying like there's just some things yeah. where. It affects. It affects. Yeah. 
and they feel terrible. But, um, and that's why not using, um, using guilt and other things to shame the other person, yeah. uh, which is often uh, a tactic that is selfish in nature, mm-hmm. where it's not wooing or romancing, it's yeah. commanding and goading. Mm-hmm. I think having, having this attitude of Christ that we see in Philippians 2, I think also because because sometimes we don't at least at first especially sometimes we don't really realize because all we know is our own mind itself sometimes it takes a little bit of communication to learn about you know your spouse let's can someone get first Peter 3 7 it's first Peter 3 7. Husbands and wives, he's giving instructions. Dave, you got one first. Sure. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So living with her in understanding way. So how are you going to understand your... Right? Wow, right? I remember when I was a kid, it was like, I saw in the bookstore, everything men know about women. And you picked up this book, and it was just blank paper. (laughs) (laughs) All inside. (laughs) It's funny. So, I mean, it's communication. It's also being a student and studying, watching, listening, paying attention. Um, And I'm sure, you know, it goes for the wives as well, understanding their husbands. But I think men don't do it as naturally, um, aren't as observant. I know that in in our marriage, a lot of times, uh, you know, we've talked about how Carissa can hear what I'm saying and observe my body language and hear the tone of my voice and all these other things that it took me a long time to even start to factor in. It was just the words was us. And then like, oh, okay, let's listen a little, pay a little closer attention to what's, how, how is she saying, right? So there's, it takes a little effort to, to live in an understanding way. Anything wise you'd add? How can your husband live with you in an understanding? See, we don't know. We don't know. I think, uh, I mean, the female body um, gets stronger and weaker throughout the month. You know what I'm saying? There's, yeah. Like, there's a, like, if you don't grow up with sisters, there's a real learning curve mm-hmm. with that. And if yeah. you do. Even if you do, yeah. There's a real learning curve with that that I think a lot of men are like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, I still don't have a real concept about how it really affects mm-hmm. women. Yeah. And I don't think I ever will, but, you know, just kind of being aware of that, like, oh, they can't do what mm-hmm. we want to do. I think do. a lot of it is 
not despising the differences because most a lot of the differences are differences that make women weaker in mm. some way or more, yeah. more vulnerable or more difficult or whatever mm-hmm. and um, an understanding way is as opposed to like a domineering way you know I don't care or I despise this mm-hmm. or I laugh at this or um, which would have been what the culture at the time would do right so this is countercultural for them because it was you're supposed to try to understand yeah. not just yeah you know, lord it over or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, asking questions. Mm-hmm. What's going on? I feel like I just walked in and the house changed <laughs> from when I left. You know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and then not, yeah, not despising it. Mm-hmm. But having a, like a respect for this is how God made you and it was on purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and like this wasn't an accident. By understanding, it's, it's not necessarily just you're aware of it. But you, yeah, you you understand who your wife is and who God made her to be. You're rejoiced that you did. Yeah. I think with communication, assuming the best about the other person mm-hmm. is really important, and believing the best of a person. So when you're communicating and trying to figure out why one person's reacting a certain way, um, if you believe the best and assume the best. And I think there's a sense in which your attitude of seeking to, to serve your spouse and then talking and communicating in an understanding way, it, it really shapes your expectations in terms of what you should expect from your spouse day in, day out, month by month, because a lot of times those conflicts and disappointments come from having an unrealistic or a false expectation of who your spouse is going to be, how they're going to react. You're right. The wife or the husband might think, well, let's do this, and they have something planned, and it just fails miserably because they don't understand. Yeah. Right? I brought you flowers, you know, or you know, I cleaned the kitchen or whatever. Right? Well, that's not yeah, okay. So, part of the guarantee is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that there's some sense in which I know, especially, especially for uh, it, really helped me understand that like if you're a person that is very cause and effect I do this this happens right just just understanding that people especially a human being is much more complex than that and it's not about learning a process it's about understanding and knowing a person yeah right I think a lot of people don't know why they do what they do do you know what I'm saying they, right they don't even they, understand they, themselves they, so it's like, well, why did you do this? I don't know. I mean, like your teenage son or whatever. Right. Like, they really don't. They really know don't know why they they did it, and um, I think a man of understanding you know, is able to kind of draw it out over time and learn and discover, and they're learning about themselves too as they do it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's it's great to show that grace towards your spouse to realize you might be in a conversation they're trying to understand you, and then at the end they end up. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, I didn't even know I'm that way. They're mm-hmm. uncomfortable with something, but can't explain why. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, until you explain why, we're going to do it. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Instead of, well, 
let's hold off and just figure figure it out, <coughs> understanding that it might not be resolved in a night or a week or yeah. a month. Yeah, they're just trying to. You know, people just have a different thought process, and so. Yeah, so I think just the complexity of, of humanity and just why we do what we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Okay, so then we're moving on to a couple of threats, right? Big threats. Threats to intimacy. So first one would be passivity. Passivity. So Ephesians 5. 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So, you know, what we had mentioned earlier, men are called to spiritually lead their wives. This includes in the bedroom. It does not mean that women cannot initiate. After all, 1 Corinthians makes it clear, husbands and wives should belong to one another. And so the husband's wife belongs to the body, to the wife, and the wife's to the husband. So one of the threats is, especially with regards to the husband, you know, a reluctance to initiate, right? Not leading the couple to regularly uh, have sexual intimacy. So, I mean, what? why does this happen? Why could this happen? I know that before I was married, I would think, that's not possible. There's no man that did, you know, seek out intimacy with his wife. But why could that happen? How can that happen, maybe? Husbands, you might have to speak up here. Well, it could happen because you didn't pick up the clues throughout the day. Yes. She was telling you no the whole time, then you put her on the spot, and she said no clearly, and you feel humiliated because you didn't pick up all the clues, and you put her in a difficult situation. Like, right. So he's reluctant to initiate maybe later because previously he's been, he wasn't paying attention, and he. Yeah, and he doesn't realize that the other time she the right said time. no. For a good reason. Yeah. It was his fault, not hers. Okay. Yeah. And I think initiation, I mean, it's, I mean, every woman is different and every marriage is different, so you just have to figure out what, mm -hmm. what sends the signals, right. primitive or negative, throughout the day. And so if you, if a man does initiate and his wife doesn't want to and says no for one reason or another, mm -hmm. right, that can be a reason that decreases his desire to initiate again, right? Because he doesn't want to be rejected. Yeah. So he gets, you know, uh, his, his ego hurt or whatever. Yeah. Um, what else? Is there other reasons why? Other than not wanting to be rejected? I think there's a few more. What else? Well, how could a man... What could, what could be some issues or causes in his life? Maybe not even with regards to his wife. Yeah. It could be he's just not the leader of the marriage. So it's just in the most intimate of settings, he's not comfortable leading in that area because he doesn't really lead in other settings. Yeah. yeah. Could be... Um, I was thinking that if, if you've got a husband who has a super demanding job or is a very workaholic type where he's just expending all of his energy, you know, day in and day out on his work and his job, and he just comes home and wants to go to sleep. So that, I think that can sometimes yeah. happen as well. 
Um, I give one more too. Um, yeah, sometimes it's much easier for the husband to get his release by looking at porn. Yeah. So um, I've known a couple of cases where that's what the husband does, and they only have sex once or twice a month um, when the wife is most likely to be turnoffable. Hmm. And so he basically waits for her to initiate or her to be in the mood, and then he does it. But then the other times, he's you know, he would just satisfy his urges on his own. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of that's our second one. We'll yeah, get to sorry, it's, I didn't mean to get that. It's a good. But that's often why. But that's really that's yeah. why a guy is passive because he doesn't need it. Yeah. And 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 I think just in like you said, just selfishness can cause him because. If he's only initiating it at the times, the places, the settings where he feels it's convenient for him, he's not really considering his, his wife. Because the Corinthians, like it says in that passage, both of them, um, the, the husband's body is not his own, it belongs to the wife, and the wife's is not her own, it belongs to the husband. So each one, are, you're to be there to initiate and uh, fulfill the needs and desires of your so I think, and this kind of hits at, you know, a scenario that might be what you're talking about. Janice has noticed that something's amiss with Bill. He has not initiated sex in a year. Bill, what's going on? And some seems to show very little desire. In fact, he does not go to bed with her, preferring to stay up late watching television and then slipping into bed after she's asleep. Should Janice be concerned? Why or why not? Should Janice be concerned? Yes. yes. Something's wrong with Bill here. Okay, so B, what are some plausible explanations for Bill's behavior? Kind of hits on it. Drive, it's changed. There's some sort of pain that he's not telling her about, that he's worried about. Mm -hmm. There could be a medical reason. That could be a physical or medical. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, you're bringing up, we don't want to jump to, like you said, we don't want to jump to conclusions. And so, Jenna should definitely be concerned, but she needs to be careful not to say, you must be watching porn every night, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Although that's possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if somebody has ED, erectile dysfunction, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that's uh, be uniquely humiliating for Bill, mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to put himself in a situation where he's humiliated, so... Yeah, that, that is completely plausible. Thought too, you know, it could be that there's something that he's extremely hurt or bitter about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he's holding against her. Yeah. And this relational break. This is just, yeah, and he doesn't want to experience that oneness because mm -hmm. there's something that's been driven between them. So maybe we'll wrap up with what if 
what should you advise Janice to do in this case? Assuming that, assuming that I've done something bad, then you can go to none of us have done something bad, right? Which is medical, right? And then are you doing something bad? Right. <laughs> and it's important to progress through that. In that order, yes. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. It's not like the three F thing that I said. Right. And there was something else. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Next week. Yeah, I'll pick up where we're going. You'll pick up where we're going. Let so me break. We'll, we'll do a Q&A. We'll do a Q&A, yes. <laughs> yeah. You, Becky. We'll ask the question. Nope. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the ability to, um, to laugh and to... I just thank you that we can talk about what is just a very close... To, and very personal issue within our marriages that is just we're saturated in a world and a culture that is uh, in complete rebellion to and has attacked what you have created to be such a beautiful and wonderful and sacred thing and so I pray that we would continue to have a church and marriages that you bring in the truth from Scripture um, that you lead us by your Holy Spirit that we are blessed through the wisdom and counsel of other godly men and women, that our marriages would be places where the sexual union and relationship is something that is held in high honor and high esteem, and it's guarded and protected against all that the world and the enemy in our flesh would bring against it. And so I just thank you for the fruitful discussion that we've had this morning and these past few weeks, and pray that this morning as we continue to worship you, that you be with us and guiding us to focus on you and on your greatness and on your glory. We ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen.